dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale, but do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling, or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. For tonight, I have chosen an episode of The Weird Circle, a series which adapted famous creepy stories from the world of literature, including the works of Edgar Allan Poe, Samuel Johnson, Charles Dickens, Robert Louis Stevenson, Charlotte Bronte, and many more! Between 1943 and 1945, 78 episodes were recorded in the RCA studios in New York. This particular story, Strange Judgment, was broadcast on March 19, 1944, and is based on the 1834 story... Un Drame au Bord de la Mer by Honoré Balzac. The story's original title translates to A Drama on the Seashore, or more succinctly, A Seaside Tragedy. It was part of Balzac's series of interlinked stories, novels, and essays collectively known as the Human Comedy. This large collection includes nearly 100 completed works and refers to over 40 other incomplete ones, all combining into a rich, complex depiction of French society in the early 19th century. The original text of this story featured a framing device that was abandoned for this adaptation. The Weird Circle is largely remembered for its distinctive introduction when, in which the announcer calls for the bellkeeper to toll the bell to indicate that the listeners had once again joined them in the titular loop. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music. And listen to the voices. Phantoms of a world gone by speak again the immortal tale, The Strange Judgment. Someone is on the trail below. Now they are coming closer, pointing at my cave, here so high above the sea, at the pile of moss which is my bed. And the granite slab, my table, the stoneware pitcher, the loaf of dry bread. Soon they will turn. See now, just like the others, they are going back down the trail. Like the village folk who go to the marketplace by another trail so as to avoid me. They will tell others about me. About the fearful old man in the cave above the sea with his little wooden cross. Ascetic old man with bloodshot eyes. They do not know the real reason I am here. That once many years ago, before I took a vow to do penance in this prison in the open air, I lived down there on the little islet near the salt marshes at Girand, lived with my wife, Bruin, 
and fished. Now only my niece Perot comes to me every morning, bringing me bread and, and talks to me. But I, I cannot answer. I can talk to no one, dare only to kiss her forehead. But then, so long ago, I had many friends. These shaggy hands do not show it, but I was strong then, and the muscles of my body were hard. I could fish with the best of them. Ah, the fear compromise has the devil's own luck. He left no sardines for us others. Can I help it that I know where fishes play, huh? Ah, look at your name. So? Compromise. Meaning the sea bends to your will. <laughs> it's in our family. We know our trade, oh, huh? Oh, devil's luck, I call it. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, there is my wife. Dear, I'm so glad you're back. Hello, my wife. Pierre, I've got good news for you. And I have something to tell you. Come now, let us walk up the path to the house together, eh? You look so happy, darling. <laughs> I should be. We have made money, my Sherry. We can afford a bigger vessel. Oh, please, no, Pierre. But the sardine fishery has brought us money. The boats we have are only small. With a bigger boat, I could go cod fishing. I don't know. You'd be away so long. I love you so much, Pierre. The days and nights are so long when you're at sea. Then I shall stop going for sardines. No, I don't want that. I know, I know. Cod fishing is too long to be away. I think so. Then I shall stick to the sardines and a little deep sea trade for the dealers, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good haul, this trip. Let me see. Here, look at this account. With the house and the island, the boats, and now this new catch. Well... One more trip and we will be worth money. Much money? <laughs> 12,000 livres, I should say. Good. Of course it is good. What woman in the village... Oh, I mean no... because we'll need a little more now. Sherry, what, what, what do you mean? Remember how we talked about... about a little one? I remember. Oh, no. You mean... Mm-hmm. Oh, you sweet one. Maybe it will be a son, eh? A yes, a son. And we'll name him Jacques. Yes. And when he is old enough, we'll take him to the carnival. Yes, we'll take him to the carnival. That is enough candy for today, Jacques. No, no, Papa. I want that peppermint. No, no, Jacques. Let him have it, Papa. Bruin, you are spoiling your boy. Uh, here, please. Let me have half a dozen peppermint sticks. Eh? That ought to satisfy But you are too young, little Jean. Next year, the gun, maybe. Take the doll. No! I want the gun! I want the gun! You see, Bruin, he has a will of his own, that boy. Oh, I'll buy that gun there, please. I'm afraid, Pierre. There it is, Papa. In that window. What a beautiful bicycle. Yeah, but, Mother, a boy of his age should have a bicycle. The others in the village have none. How now? Our Jacques is no ordinary boy. Here, this way. Step into the store with me. I will buy it for you now. Pierre, we're spoiling him. He's so young and he wants so much. We're spoiling him dreadfully. Oh, he will outgrow it. He is only six. Wait until he is ten. He will not be spoiled when he is ten. Where is Jacques? Upstairs. Oh, Jacques! I sent him upstairs. Why, Bruin? He's been fighting again. He all but killed Montreux's son. 
Oh. oh, why do you weep, Ruan? They're saying in the village he put out Pugo's little girl's eye. Nonsense. In the village they will talk about anything. Oh, but he will be one for the girls, that Jacques. That isn't all. Last week the foul, he twisted their necks just for fun. Such things make one bloodthirsty like a weasel. Oh, it is nothing, Ruan. Do not weep, please. He is young. He is only ten. Wait till he grows older. He will be the perfect gentleman when he is 15. Wait and see. Come on, sit down to supper, Pierre. Ah, the stew, it smells good. Pierre. Uh, where is Jacques, eh? I don't know. Garon, maybe, or Savney. He's getting a little wild, Pierre. Oh, a boy of 15 needs to be active. It is natural. Pierre. Remember the time you walked 20 leagues to repay a prank the dealer had overpaid you? Yeah, that, that was a walk, eh? <laughs> Why isn't Jacques like that? I don't... You mean... Has our Jacques taken money? A little. I had a few coins and a jug in the cellar. Well, a young fellow needs money to carry on, I suppose. But that is not right. No, no, that is not right. Oh, he's still young. Maybe in a year or two he will be settled. Maybe he will not be so wild. Who knows? Maybe he will calm down. Rouen! What is it, Sherry? This table, it is strange. What has happened to the other? Oh, dear! This, this furniture... I know, I know. Oh, the furniture, it is not our stuff. What happened to it? What happened to our furniture? Look in the wardrobe, too, and in the closet. The linens, they are gone. The sheets, everything. Where has this chair come from? Neighbors, they loaned it to me. You you have traded our furniture? No, Pierre, no. Then, then what has become of it? I tried to stop him. He wouldn't listen to me. Jockey. He sold it. Didn't he? Didn't he? Answer me, Yes, I tried to stop him, but I couldn't. Where did he go? Where did he go? To the cafe in town, I think. But it's late. He should be back soon. Oh, Pierre, what shall we do with him? I do not know. Imagine a youth of 17 selling his family's own furniture so that he may carouse in a cafe. Maybe he isn't really bad. Maybe he just needs someone to talk to him. Jacques. Is that you? Yes, it's me. Where have you been, Jacques? Oh, at the cafe. Is it your business to know? Your mother and I want to talk to you, Jacques. All right, all right. Make it quick. Jacques, listen to your father now. Son, you are old enough to make your own way. You mean work? And what is so wrong in earning your bread with your hands, eh? Ah, fishing. I cannot stand the smell. If one can handle the money that comes from fish, it is not too much to stand their smell, Jacques. Cameramets have always been men of the sea. It is not too much to ask of my son. Oh. Maybe it is better if I go away. Jacques. Now, son, that, that is not what we meant. It's just that times are getting a little harder. There's your uncle's family to think of. Joseph's oh. wife is sick. And the little girl, Perrot, needs a doctor's care. It all takes money. Well, let them pay their own way. Have a care, Jacques. It is true. He is my brother. One must be loyal to his kin, whatever. And I say I am closer than your brother. Charity begins at home. If you are giving any money, then why not give it to me? We're already half poor from all your carrying on. Oh, say nothing of that, Cherie. But all you are asking of him is to lend a hand with the fishing. To earn the bread he eats and the money he spends. Will you be quiet, woman? 
You have put my father up to this. Have a care, Jacques. You are talking to your mother. Well, if it had not been for her, nothing would have been said about the furniture. Meddling old woman. Silence! No! Pierre, don't you kill him! Get up, Jacques. His head is cut. Suppose you killed him. Two a.m. So late, and I'm so tired. Rouen, is that you? Yes. Where are you? In bed. So dark. Have you been in Jacques' room? Huh? Yes. How is he now? A little better. It was a bad beating you gave him. He should not have spoken to you that way. Oh, I didn't mind, really. But it was unkind the way he spoke of Joseph and his family. A little parrot. How's the mother, by the way? No better. I fear for her. Bad. So tired. Come to bed, Brian. Yes, I will. Good night. Good night. Ah, the bed feels good tonight. What is it? There's someone in the room. A thief. Who is it? Who is it, I it's say? It's a candle, Pierre. Yes. Over that way. There. Jacques! Jacques! Jacques, what are you doing here? Why aren't you in bed, son? Answer me, Jacques. What are you doing in this room? Yes. What's that in his hand? Stay where you are. Both of you. It looks like... Hold the light higher, Pierre. Yes. It's a knife. Jacques, what are you doing with that knife? Stand back. Don't come near me. Put down that knife. You would murder us in our beds. Stand back, I warn you. You need a knife, Jacques. You wouldn't dare stab your own mother. I'll stab anybody. Anybody. Do you hear? Anybody. you are. You're home early, Pierre. Oh, the fish are running poorly. Where have you been? At your brother's. Oh, how is his wife today? Worse. And little Perrot? She still needs nursing. Oh, I saw Joseph at the fishery on the way home. They, they need more money. We're running low. But what we have, we share. You're a kind one, Rouen. Doctors and medicines for the sick, that always takes money. And Perrot... She's such a tiny thing and, and so helpless. I've fixed it so that later on she'll not be so bad off. What do you mean? In my mattress, I've sewed a Spanish doubloon wrapped in paper. I've written on the paper for Perot so that there's no mistake as to whose it is. Where, where is Jacques? On another spree. With what? I don't know. He asked me for money, but as you told me, I refused him another centine. He must learn to work for what he gets. I uh, would like to visit my brother's place before supper. Uh, uh, look out here. What is this, Rouen? Water for my flowers. This dry spell, you know. But must it stand in the doorway? <laughs> Go along to your brother's. Supper in an hour. Oh, wait. Who is that coming up the path? Look through the window. 
Oh, it's Father Gabot, the rector from Kiriok. I will let him in. I wonder why he comes now. Oh, good day, Father. Good day. I come with sad news, my friend. Sad news? Joseph's wife? The fever. It was too much for her. She passed away. Joseph will fish with me tomorrow. Sardines running any better? Not yet. A break in the weather would be good. Mm, for my garden, too. It will be harder taking Joseph on this way. We'll manage. If Jacques would only lend a hand. More hands are needed in hard times. Every little catch helps. Mm, as long as there are fish for you to catch, we'll eat. But a man needs meat now and again. Is that you, Broan? Yes. Came down to the shore because I couldn't wait. I have something to tell you. I have something to tell you. Yeah. Look. Look at this paper. I found it floating at the shore. My handwriting. For Perrot, it says. You know, then. The Spanish doubloon. Where, where is it? I don't know, Pierre. I looked for it this afternoon. I thought I'd take it to a safer place or give it to Perrot now when she needs it so much. But yes, it yes. It was not in the mattress. Jacques. He found your hiding place. Where are you going? I'm going to the cafe to find Jacques, to see if he took the coin. Go up to the house, Bruin. Go up and wait for me. Florent, uh, have you seen my son, Jacques? He is in there, in the billiard room. Has he paid a score yet? Yes. Let me see with what he has paid you. Certainly. No, where is it? Oh, this coin, Pierre. Uh-huh. My son paid you with that, eh? But naturally. No, I, I'll take it. Uh, here is silver for it. Uh, you, you see, there is a cross marked on the coin. I have sentimental reasons for keeping it. I understand. Uh, you uh, did not tell my son I was here. Eh? Oh, of course not. I thought uh, that is good. Thank you, Pierre. I thank you, Florent. Au revoir. Au revoir. Did you find him, Pierre? Yes. Where? At Florent's cafe. And the coin, did you find the coin? Look, is this it? Yes, it has the cross on it. Right. Does he know? No, Florent brought it to me secretly after Jacques paid his bill. What are we going to do? Find your wedding gown, Broin. You will have to wear it for what I plan. You look beautiful, Broin, the day of our wedding when you wore that gown. To think now I must wear it for this. Never mind. It is the custom. A mother and father in their wedding clothes shall judge an erring son. Oh, uh, fetch two candles from the kitchen, eh? And uh, the three-legged stool, too. There. We shall sit as judge and jury on this side of a the fire. There. Now Jacques will sit here opposite us. Now the candles, eh? There now. That gives enough light. That gun in the chimney corner, Pierre. Careful, it is loaded. Pierre, I'm afraid. What are you going to do? What must be, must be. But I... He is coming. It is either very dark or he's very drunk. Let him in, eh? Yeah. What's this? Are you going to be a wedding? Sit down, Jacques. Maybe this bucket of water will clear his head. No. <laughs> Sit down. Leave me alone. Jack. Sit down on the stool there. Pull Do up. as your father says. What is this? 
You have sinned against your mother and father. We are sitting in judgment over you. See here, you, you can't do this. The law will... If you make any noise, if you stir, if you don't sit up like a mast on your stool, I will shoot you like a dog. He means what he says, Jack. What do you want? Here is a bit of paper. Look at it. Have you ever seen it? No. Look closer. At the handwriting. That is your mother's handwriting, is it not? Uh, I guess so. I guess so. You know it is. All right, yes, yes. See what it says? For Perrot. It says for little Perrot, who has no mother, whose father is suffering hard times, who needs every sound team anyone can offer. Well. Your mother wrapped up a Spanish doubloon in that bit of paper. Sewed the whole of it into her mattress. And now, Jacques, uh -huh. the coin is no longer in the mattress. Oh. And I'm supposed to know where the coin is. Sit still. I found that bit of paper floating on the water when I came in. And then your mother told me of the missing coin. So I went to town. You were at Florence this afternoon, were you not, Jacques? Well, how did you... You did not think I knew, did you? But you don't deny it, eh? All right, I... I was at Florence. And you paid your score with a Spanish doubloon. Uh, what if I did? There are other gold coins in the country besides what my mother hides in her mattresses. Nobody but we three knew it was there. Well... Yeah. Maybe you took it and hid it, so as to blame me. Jacques, tell you I did not take the coin. How came you by the doubloon, then? I, I... I got it north. How can you prove it? I tell you I got it there. You insist you did not take your mother's coin, eh? I did not take it. Can you swear it on your salvation? I can't take it. I cannot swear if it's not true. You can repent and mend your ways. There's still time. Oh, be quiet, old woman. You have always tried to ruin me. That is another thing to add to your wrongs. Now come to the point. Will you swear? Yes. All right, now. Take a look at this coin, which Florent gave me. The one with which you paid your bill this afternoon. See the cross on the coin where the sardine merchant nicked it before he paid me? Did the coin you picked up in Nantes have that cross marked on it? Well, well, I... I, I... Answer me. No, no. Enough talk. I say nothing of all the wrong you've done before. No Cumbrie shall die in the marketplace at Crossick. Say your prayers, Jacques, and let us be quick. Father Gabor is coming to hear your confession. He is already coming up the path to the house. Open the door for him, Bruin. Will you come in now, Father? Thank you. Bonjour, Father. Bonjour. Jacques is waiting for you. I am ready, son. No. No. He is waiting for your confession, Jacques. Speak, Jacques. The crime is worse than concealed. Confess to it. That makes it easier. Your mother is right, young man. The crime will weigh heavier on your conscience if you do not speak up. No. No. If I confess, you'll kill me. You seem to fear death more than eternal damnation. I, I will not do it. I will not do it. It is no use, father. I guess he has always been willful, this boy. That has been the curse of this household ever since he was born. Amen. If you will not be needing me any longer, I have other visits to make, you know. Of course, Father. Pardon us, sir, for bringing you so far. I... I meant to give my son a lesson. Good night, then. Good night, Father. I... Good night, Father. I... 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 I not another word. Get off to bed now. It's better this way. Maybe he'll repent. No, no, not him. Nevertheless, I'm glad you didn't hurt him. Never mind. This night is not over yet. 
I shall wait until he is asleep. What are you going to do? What must be, must be. What are you going to do? You shall see. You shall see. Who's there? Light, I, I, I can't see. Who is it? Father. That rope. That strip of silk. What are you going to do to me? Yes. No. Don't do it. If you will not let me, I will do it alone. No. Don't do this. No. No. Let me go. Run. Dead now. Tie his feet. My poor wife's heart. She died within a week. And I... I was never the same. The thought of what I had done haunts me. I... I could not fish by day. I, I could not sleep by night. In the end, my conscience drove me to go to see a priest. He refused me absolution until I... I promised to tell my story to a justice, which I did. He sentenced me to this. And here I sit... A man under a vow, doomed to watch over the water, to talk with no one, sitting, watching, waiting. From the time-worn pages of the past, we have brought you The Strange Judgment. Bellkeeper, hold the bell. You're listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society, and that was Strange Judgment, an episode of the series Weird Circle. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And this week it was Tim's pick, and he picked this episode of uh, uh, Weird Circle. Um, 
in the beginning uh, of the podcast, we, we gave some information out about uh, Weird Circle. We also said the words Balzac and titular, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, really, <laughs> I would like to know uh, more about Weird Circle, like in general. I know there's not a lot to know, but the main thing to know about them is that they focused on adaptations. Have you listened to Weird Circle before this, Tim? Yes. And uh, in general, does this fit what they usually do, the kind of style that the, that the show is about? Uh, this story is, I think, a little off the beaten path of what they usually like. Edgar Allan Poe is kind of their meat and potatoes or similar stories um, uh, of that era and that mm-hmm. type. Right. Um, uh, they've done a couple of uh, Balzac stories. Mm, Balzac. Um <laughs> And a couple other stories that have some gruesome elements to them, but aren't necessarily spine tinglers, right? Uh, of which, the, like this, is one of those. I think. So, uh, where does this? Uh, have you listened to this one before for no. this podcast? This is new to you. Yeah, I I was digging through a Weird Circle because I wanted a Weird Circle one, and uh, this one struck me because I didn't recognize the title right off the bat. Uh, in fact, it took me a bit of googling. To uh, <laughs> quite a bit of googling to figure out who wrote this originally and uh, where it came from, and who did write it originally, and always Honoré Balzac, right? Uh, can you famed say French th- author, right? Can Honoré you say Balzac. the story again without looking at your notes? Un drame au bord de la mer. Wow! Ooh, wow! I took a little bit of French in high school. Oh, you did? Yes. I thought maybe you just practiced for the podcast. To show oh no. no! Oh no! And I'm going to guess that translates to the drama of the. Guy that lived in a cave. Very literally, it's <laughs> drama at the edge of the sea. Oh, I was so close. Yes, very close. The original story had this framing device uh, of this uh, writer and his girlfriend who are having a great time at the sea. And then there's this fisherman, and they have a bidding war to buy his fish. And then they discover this weird guy up there, and they learn his story. And then that's the... I wonder why they cut that out. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> Tim, why? Uh, what is it that you're attracted to do about this episode? What are the elements that you love about this? This, Or perhaps you hate it, and why did you give it to us? <laughs> I guess I shouldn't assume you like it. Uh, I liked it because after it was done, there's, there's a number of stories that I read, and I get to the or in this case, listen to, uh, and I get to the end, and my reaction is, what just happened? Mm-hmm. And when I go back, I'm like, oh, there was a lot of interesting things in there that, that were hitting me that I didn't recognize at the time. Right. And this was a story like that, I felt, that it had a lot going on under the hood. Right. Sometimes with this podcast, I listen to it once, take my notes, I'm good. I listened to this one three times. There was some stuff I was like, what now? <laughs> <laughs> Am I missing something? We'll get to those. Joshua, uh, your thoughts, uh, initial thoughts of uh, this episode of Weird Circle. I thought it was interesting and not in a passive-aggressive Minnesota way. <laughs> I say interesting. Uh, I like really when we, get, when we come off stage, and people in Minnesota say, "Well, you look like you were having fun up there." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, yes. Yes. Uh, this structure was really interesting, and it almost <laughs> at the beginning it almost had a little bit of a comedy structure where they kept going back to Jacques the father. No, it's Pierre. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. Pierre the father was having uh, Jacques' poor behavior described to him, and he kept mm-hmm. going, "Oh, he'll be much better when he's blank age." And right. it, it had this like repetitive structure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And each time it got then worse the boy and turned worse. ten. Yeah. And the father <laughs> said, "Oh, he'll be better when he turns fifteen. Took someone's yeah. eye out. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, and I think maybe because this is an 
older story. Uh, culturally, uh, some of what uh, Pierre dismisses early on seems like the most horrific <laughs> yes. stuff, right? He, they're, yeah. they're strangling fowl and then putting out a young girl's eye, and he's like, <laughs> "Boys will be boys," but he, right? You know, right? But he talks back to his mother and or steals a doubloon, and then it's like, "I, I have you at gunpoint now, child." <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I always so, so it's like it's a sort of family honor system where yeah, that's uh, very much. That seems to be the most important thing going on in this story. Whenever things like that occur that by today's standards, like boys will be boys, I always just go, you know what, I'm just going to let that go. Maybe at that time that was okay. Yeah. You have to really step out of your current time, Correct. I think, to get into this story. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I think you did, I think you did even when the story was broadcast. Right. Yes. It, Here's a, a couple of notes. First of all, I'm going to see if anybody else got this. He was describing himself in his, in his shaggy hands. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, I went back and listened three times. I'm telling you. Oh, he's saying shaky. Nope. Shaggy. Shaggy <laughs> hands. Ooh. Which means that, like, they could eat a giant sandwich. That's a... <laughs> or, That's a Scooby-Doo joke. I yes. just got it. <laughs> <laughs> or, or he grew hair on his hands, but he is probably, indeed saying shaggy. Sort of a gallic... Okay. But, uh, no, I, I I think it is a, a, a trait of people of that descending, that sort of genetic of trait werewolves? to be. Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking they're loop guru. More French. <laughs> I love his reaction, the father's reaction when he finds out that he's going to have a baby. Good, we can take him to the carnival. <laughs> it was like instantaneous. That's what I'm going to do. Take him to the carnival. Uh, at the carnival... Uh, just so you know, uh, also the three most important things a boy can do uh, uh, as he grew up. You got peppers, mint sticks, a gun, and a bicycle. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in that order. Right. <laughs> that is roughly uh, the uh, skill set and tools that you need to I, rob a I Super remember America. Right, they were pointing out that other kids don't have bicycles, which sort of implied peppermint sticks and guns were yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can have the peppermint stick, you can have the gun, but you cross the line at the bicycle. Here's here's an interesting thing, and, and this is uh, this is something that bothered me about it. We're in France. Here and there, some people bothered with the French accent, some didn't. <laughs> like there was that was all over the place. Like it, it was inconsistently directed, and, and I think it was let down a lot by uh, the actor who played Jacques, particularly. Mm-hmm. I thought he was pretty horrible i mean he just came in like why are you being so mean to me mom is essentially what he was doing and i loved this is the script though i love when he came in and he, he got he got mad at his mother because it's like oh if you wouldn't have made a big deal out of it no one would have noticed that i sold all the furniture in the house one of my notes yep if you wouldn't have said anything no one would have noticed you gotta die i'm gonna kill you for that that was a weird moment uh Here's another thing that uh, bothered me a little bit. I mm. found the lack of music made me crazy. Like, I think it needed some stings, some orchestral stings, some music, something that to is... move it along. Uh, it became very Bergman, Swedish film-like. Do you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yes. As one of the things in my looking up information, what they call it research. I'll say research. In one of my research about weed, Weird Circle. Weed Circle. <laughs> my research on Weird Circle is that it distinctly had a lack of music and not so much as a choice, but as just kind of its lean on production elements. Aha. Mm-hmm. It was easier. Yeah. The only Foley, the sound effects in this whole thing, 
Okay, so these people, everywhere they go is a hardwood floor, and they're all wearing clogs. <laughs> so much walking on hardwood floors, and then they would, like, all right, I'm going to leave. Clomp, clomp, clomp. And so much silence, and then they'd leave. And it would take forever. There was a lot of that, and that was the only sound effect. So it be- I started to think, is this terrible, or is this a choice to create some kind of suspense or some kind of... You know That's what I mean? Like this, very this, generous you, of you. Okay. <laughs> well, right, so it's, it's interesting that. from a modern perspective to think of a low-budget radio program. Because yeah, to right. us, it seems like you know it wouldn't be that hard to just make these noises, right? Well, do it so, with your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but I mean, I guess it's extra people to hire. I guess. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It is very uh, uh, slim on sound and um, atmosphere. So there's some yeah, an atmosphere. So it, it could have clipped a. I think. If they would have clipped this along and picked up the pace and added those things, we might have had a 10-minute story. Mm. That might have been an issue with it. Also, speaking of the story now, instead of the uh, production elements, so this kid tried to kill them while they're sleeping, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not when they gave up on them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're right. They, uh, all right, one more. <laughs> one more. He tried to kill them while they were sleeping. So boys will be boys. Yeah, but you steal a Spanish doubloon. There's no coming back from that, man. <laughs> right, right. And, well, the, and it wasn't they, just that. Is he swore to God that he didn't do it? You're right. We are we are missing a, a layer, and and we are we are making jokes about it. But it, it is definitely of of its time, and yes. and because there is some sort of traditional element, particularly when. Pierre says, you know, there is some some tradition where they can judge a son dressed in their wedding clothes. I was so convinced when that came up, like, did I not know about this? Is this some classic thing that everyone, could my folks have done this to me? <laughs> right? <It's> really, yeah. <laughs> also, they can fit in their wedding clothes? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> now, did you do that thing, what do you call it, um, Research? Yes. Did you do any research on I that? I did. As far as I could tell, that he just made that up. Okay, good. So did I. Because I got hung up on that, like, wait, did they put on wedding clothes and have, you know, Because it was tribunals? presented so like, well, obviously, this is our only recourse is to put on our outfits. But I will say it's a nice bit of writing because it, it sounds plausible yes. as an old folk tradition. Yeah, well, I wrote, why the hell is she in her wedding dress? Just to make things crazier? Like, yeah. like put on your wedding dress. Well, the, I mean, it, it the next time be. one of my children brings home a bad grade from school, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put on, on my wedding dress. Wedding dress <laughs> my wife's wedding dress and go, time for judgment. You know what? I bet you they wouldn't do it again. You showed up in your wedding, You're wife's right. wedding dress. And I'll said, go to their down. school. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, actually, this is a really good idea. We're on to something here. Um the cap at the end. Um, am I missing something? Uh, he drops the cap. Now, I know she mentions the bucket of water earlier. So we yep. know the bucket of water is by the door. So he's obviously holding the kid's cap. He drops it. She's the only one that can describe it. Goes in the water, and it doesn't float. So I did that thing. What do you call it again? It's um, research. Yeah. And <laughs> I did that <laughs> trying to figure out, is there something to dropping a person's hat in water to see if it floats or not? Is there anything to this? As near as I can tell, and I, uh, I didn't read the original short story yeah. as thoroughly as I could have, but well, it was in French. Well, the translation <laughs> of the original short story. Is like, um, I don't think that's from the story. I could be wrong on that. I, but I think it was just clear that he took the boy out and drowned him. Okay, so my question is: Is there an old wives' tale or some mm. kind of uh, uh, superstition that if mm. you take a dead person's mm. hat and put it in water, if it floats, I think dead, they were or... just trying to be arty. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's he, he dropped it in the water, and that's supposed to be an image. And I think it would have been more effective as a, a visual, like a film image. Yes. Right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, like but here, Orson Welles shot, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Here it's just her reacting as if throwing a cap in a bucket of water is the universal symbol for I drowned our son. <laughs> and she's describing it, you know, oh, no, he's drowned, he's drowned. And I was like, so I didn't miss anything. Yeah. So it was an attempt at Artie. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Okay, good. I mean, we might get some angry emails from small villages in France. But... <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Again, they would have never found out the furniture was gone. <laughs> well, what are some of the layers, Tim, that, that you found in it yeah, going back? So here's one, like, one of the most fascinating things to me in this is that he went to his priest afterward, and the priest would not give him absolution until he confessed to the crime. Mm-hmm. What church in the world would you come to them and say, I had sinned terribly, I must confess, and they would say, who cares? Have you actually taken responsibility for this? Have you accepted the punishment for it? Yeah, that's not how it works, is it? Like this, Not normally, but it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I wish it was that way. But right? thematically, that's the same issue that got his son, son in trouble. Yes. In trouble is that he refused to confess to the priest that he actually stole the doubloon. Yes, and he never took responsibility for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so his father takes the responsibility that his son did not take. Yes. And ends up a shaggy-handed <laughs> <Yes>. hermit. <laughs> and it is clearer in the short story um, that the place where he is sitting is he is being forced to look out at the spot where he drowned his son. Ooh. Oh. And that's missing. That's, that's missing. Yeah, that's, that okay, would have been a nice All end. Right. That would have been... And he can't great. tell anybody about it. Yeah, his punishment seems kind of random in the radio show. I wish I would have known that he was looking where his son drowned. That actually puts puts a nice bow on this. I was going to talk about this whole thing. It was weird. It was very random. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning that, or when we were talking here about the original short story, was more about these people discovering this crazy man in a cave. Yes. Um, and again, if I we're on a little tight schedule here. I didn't have a chance to read the no, whole no, thing that's really fine. thoroughly. Um, but it was this writer artist, and he's out at the sea having a swim with his lover, and he's invigorated and he's energized. And Love then that. they have the, they learn the story. He writes the story down, but it's sort of it's crushed his spirit a little bit. I liked the idea of the story of the man in the cave, and I think the whole thing could have been about that. Like why he got there could have taken two minutes. That's, I think, closer to what the story is. Like, oh, here's why I'm here. But then, like, his life and this torture of living in a cave, uh, oh, not no, being able to speak, looking where That's not was. what the story is. No, but you know what I mean? Like, that being the focus of this guy's torturous punishment mm-hmm. would be more interesting. They could have told why he was there in, in, in very quick amount of time, and I would have been more interested in that part of it than the long story of how he got there. Does that make sense? Does that, yeah. Okay. What did you think, Joshua? Yeah, ultimately, I found it interesting. So, I mean, my vote would have to be to categorize it as historically interesting, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it necessarily stands the test of time. Yeah, or if it did, even at the time. At the time, yeah. I don't. I don't think at its broadcast, it must have. It must have made some people scratch their heads. The reason I even included it at all as something that would be suspenseful or horrific is, is in that moment of coming home to your parents and they're. They're dressed up and they have a gun. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that is a shocking moment. 
It sounds in their wedding clothes. It sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but you go home and your parents are in their wedding outfit and they got a gun. If we rewrote this from the kids' perspective and just that night, I open the door and my mom's in a wedding dress. Dad's holding a gun, right? That would have been that's a good story. Yeah, I mean, and he does abduct his son. He like ties yeah. him up and drags him out of the house. It, it has a shocking I, end. I, yeah, I, I did not see that coming. Well, it took him long enough. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> right. I tried to kill him while they were sleeping. Was, <laughs> what was the final straw though? Was the de Bloom? Yeah, as it usually is. Yeah, as it usually is. <laughs> um, Tim, why did you uh, you you kind of touched on it? So you picked this one because you liked the the elements and layers of it. I did, and the. The title of Strange Judgment, before I knew that it, that wasn't the original title, really appealed to me in the the Strange Judgment of the pair. Like, how is that a thing you can do? Is pass judgment on your child? Um, the judgment of the priest who absolved him, if you do this, to like, well, I'll give you absolution if you confess, and then you promise to sit and watch the spot where your son drowned for the rest of your life and never talk to anyone about it. That's that's strange. I will say this. It makes me want to read the original story. Right? For sure. Absolutely. And I'll say it again, if, if someone would have told me in this radio broadcast that he was looking at the place where his son drowned forever, I would have given this much higher marks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really interesting piece that's missing that's super important in his, in his punishment. Yes, yeah. Really important. <laughs> I suppose we could have put it together. No, you... <laughs> <laughs> you telling me something? Did you no, I, did, I didn't put it together. Right, like the hat in the bucket. You know, <laughs> come on. You interpret what it means. <laughs> well, you know, if your hat floats, it means six days bad luck. Right? Something like you that. Ground so, dog. Uh, you found it historically interesting, and you liked it, but not standing the test of time, no, Joshua? I wouldn't say so. Tim, you found it. Oh, uh, yes, same thing. It's historically fascinating to me. I think Weird Circle, some of their other adaptations of more traditional horror things are probably going to rank higher. Mm -hmm. But this one was super interesting to me. So Mm -hmm. too much walking on hardwood floors (laughs) for me and furnitureless rooms. Um, Well, I would agree with all of that. Uh, There are elements so that I, I do like. And I think Josh was right. I think the best thing to come out of this is let's find that story mm-hmm. and read that. All right. Well, uh, this is the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about all sorts of stuff, go to ghoulishdelights.com. What's there, Tim? Uh, there we have uh, both past uh, episodes of this podcast as well as information about our upcoming shows. We're going to be performing at the James J. Hill Library in St. Paul coming up on January 29th. Something like that. A Sunday, last Sunday of every month through May. And we're doing recreations of shows that we have had on the air here. And so come see us do that. Also, iTunes thingies. Yeah, go to iTunes. Write a review if you enjoyed this podcast, please. And also at ghoulishdelights.com, you can take our poll and you can tell us whether you thought Strange Judgment stood the test of time or not. And it'd be great to hear from you in whatever form you want to communicate with us. All right. Well, uh, coming up next time, uh, it'll be Joshua's pick. Yes. Next time, I am bringing an episode of X-1 called Hostess by Isaac Asimov. Until then... Look out!